powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, Duvall Nation. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hey. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Please. Thank you, Sid. Thank you. Hello, Duvall Nation, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. You know, there are over 850,000 independent podcasts, and while variety is the spice of life, I am super excited that you have decided to stop by our growing space on the various streaming platforms. I want to give a huge shout out to our last guest, Mr. Rick Holmes, with the Relate Then Educate program. I was happy I could use my platform to get his message out, and the response was immense. So, welcome to episode 74, and we have a very, very, very special episode for you folks. We have on the show, and I'm very excited, we have on the show two-time Olympic gold medalist and four-time world champion in water polo, the amazing Maddie Musselman is with us. I don't get starstruck often, folks, but Maddie is the embodiment of competition edge and the game to back it up. I was adamant to get her on the show, and it took a few stars aligning, but we got to spend a very productive 45 minutes together, and we cover everything from how she got into water polo, joining Team USA, plus her Olympic adventures, her future plans, and all the rest in between. Let's just go ahead and get her on out here. Duval Nation, rise to your feet, and welcome two-time Olympic gold medalist, Maddie Musselman. Maddie, hello. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. Before we start, I want to say thanks for helping make this possible. Uh, this is indeed a great honor for me. Thank, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Well, I start my interviews with the same question. That is, how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 pandemic? Uh, I mean, it's been crazy, as I'm sure for everyone. But you no, know, for me, I, I think at first it was obviously a lot of fear and unknowns. But uh, thankful to spend a lot of time with my family uh, in the beginning times of COVID and you know, during quarantine. And then obviously, you know, being healthy and, and getting back to training once the Olympic postponement was announced and spent a lot of extra time with my team um, and my teammates. So uh, trying to turn it around to a positive experience, um, especially, you know, spending a lot of time with them uh, every single day. It can It can be a lot, but it was definitely, you know, I'm super thankful for it. And a huge part of our success on the national team was because of that that COVID experience. So in that sense, it's a pretty tight-knit community? Yes, for sure. I mean, everyone lives in the, pretty much the same area. Um, we're not that far from each other, 30 minutes, maybe an hour at max. So mm-hmm. definitely all in the same area. And, you know, it's easy to stay connected during that time. That's awesome. So every journey has a beginning. Now, you were born in Newport Beach. Is that correct? Yes, I was. What was it like growing up there? It was awesome. I mean, my, you know, my family, my parents are actually from the East Coast. So the other side of the U.S. and they moved out here to California when they got married. And, you know, they played sports, they played soccer and my dad played baseball. But when we were growing up, we everyone in my family as kids did water sports. So like we swam um, always at the beach. I did junior lifeguards, which is just like a lifeguarding program that you do when you're 
you know, about nine and I did it like through um, elementary school and, and I just loved it. You know, there's a lot of resources for sports and I was able to kind of get a taste of a little bit of everything, which obviously I'm super thankful for and is why I love water polo so much because all the sports I grew up playing, in my opinion, is all in one sport, which is water polo. So definitely a blessing. You never had any interest in following your dad's footsteps with baseball or softball? <laughs> uh, surprisingly, I never played softball or baseball. Really? So yeah, he he never pushed me in that direction. And I don't know why, but I just like, I never found any interest in doing it. Like, I think with soccer, all my friends are playing soccer. Uh, but in my area, I never had anyone like go the softball route. So it was never like on my radar. And yeah. You know, obviously I play a throwing sport, so it's similar in some way, but he never was like, oh, let's go try softball. It just mm. it just never happened. I, I'm not sure why. Fascinating. So at what age did you decide that water polo was the right sport for you? Yeah, so my older sister is four years older than me, and my younger sister is also four years younger than me. So we kind of all have this, like, age gap that a little bit person above you is a little bit more de- developed. And so my older sister started playing with her friends, probably when she was 12. And so I was eight um, and I wanted to do everything my, my older sister did. So I just kind of followed her to practice. Um, and I also played with my friends, uh, played on the co-ed 10 and under boys and um, girls team, but I was the only girl and I just loved it. I just, in the moment I started at eight, I grew up swimming at five and I've always loved the water, like I mentioned before, but there's something about water polo that um, you know, combine soccer and swimming and basketball and like wrestling, all of these different components that I'd loved in like the individual sports. But, you know, being on a team like that where I got to beat up the boys and then I also got to like go off and, you know, play with my club team with other girls. It was just, it was just super fun for me. And I never had a moment where I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, I think from the moment I started water polo, I just, I just knew it was going to be my sport. And, uh, I vividly remember writing in my my elementary school yearbook that I wanted to be an Olympian in water polo. Mm-hmm. So it definitely sparked at a young age. You know what's funny? Before we did the research for this interview, we were watching some of the old highlights, and I personally think you missed out on a career in the Navy. Um, the reason I say that is in boot camp, one of the qualifications for water training is you have to tread water for five minutes. And I remember some of the unlucky sailors who – one had never even seen a pool, let alone a body of water, and you saw them desperately trying to tread and keep their heads above the surface. I, we've actually heard that before. We did um, a Navy SEALs camp with our national team, actually, mm-hmm. where we did like a day. Pretty much it was a day, but it was technically like a couple hours of Navy SEAL training. Yeah. And it was so hard. And they were like, oh, my gosh, you water polo players, are, you know, you'd be great at this. And I was yeah. like, I am never doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I met a few of those guys when I was in the latter part of my Navy career, and they do not mess around. No, they were very serious, and they were treating us like we were actually in the Army, and I was like, or in the (laughs) Navy, and I was like, I can't do this. (laughs) I mean, some of my teammates did really well, but I definitely struggled. Well, with that being said, in your opinion, what would be the toughest physical obstacle to overcome in water polo? That's a good question. I think it's different for everyone. Uh, You know, it's something that's really special about water polo is you can be any size, any height, you know, any body type to play. Um, you just play different style based off of that. And, you know, for me, I'm a little bit smaller and really have like pretty long arms. And so I just use my speed and agility to, to kind of get around. And, you know, that's where my role comes into play. So I kind of struggle on the strength side of things, you know, 
you know, being able to match up with players that are a lot bigger than me and kind of fight that battle. I have to kind of find ways out of it. And, you know, on the flip side of it, you know, those who are a little bit bigger struggle with, you know, the agility or, you know, the ability to move as quickly as other players. So it kind of just depends. But I do think, I know this is not a physical component, but I do think the mental part of it is the hardest. Just being able to kind of break down each player, break down each play, just a constant evolving game. It's not the same. And it just takes a lot of focus. And it's, you know, the moment something happens, whether you make a mistake or, you know, you're successful, you're going to have to move on to the next moment. And I think that's what separates great players from, you know, those who are, are, you know, struggling a little bit at the highest level. How does one actually train for water polo? What would you say to someone who wants to get into this sport would need to know about coming into it? Yeah, I mean, obviously you have to know how to swim. You know, there's that safety component of, you know, growing up and, I mean, whatever age you are, but just having that water safety, um, you know, you can easily be drowned in water polo and you have to kind of be able to stand your ground. And so I always say, like, for those who are getting kickstarted into water polo, it starts with being able to swim, um, you know, just being able to stay afloat. And that kind of progresses into the sport. You know, you can kind of do anything once you do know how to swim. Um, you know, learning to throw the ball, all of those skills that go into it. And, you know, for us on the national team, like I started the development program when I was in seventh grade and we would do skills on skills on skills, just laps of, you know, very small movements that we do in water polo that are kind of, you know, subconscious. You don't really think about them all the time. And we still do them to this day on the senior team at the Olympic team level. We do the same exact skills. And it just, I think, when you ask that question, that's what I think of is just all those little tiny movements that can sometimes go unnoticed. Um, You know, some people think they can just hop in and swim and throw a ball, but it goes a little bit more in depth than that. And, you know, we start that here in the U S in our pipeline at at a very young age, Um, you know, just learning those movements. And that way, once you get to the high level, you don't even have to think about them, but, you know, camps, um, clinics, all those things, all the resources, there's more, and more opportunities as, you know, the water polo world grows. Um, You know, for me, it was only ODP, um, the development program. And now there's clinics with Olympians, there's clinics with like colleges and camps. And so many people are more involved that it's just a little bit easier to get those access to those skills. I'm not sure if this is something that's measured, but is there a record for the longest person to tread water? I'm sure there is, but not in our sport. Like it's not something we record. If anything, it's like, how much weight you can hold while you tread water yeah. while doing a move. Yeah. Like we'll do a lot of conditioning that, you know, is obviously treading water, but it's in combination with something else um, like jumping or, you know, holding a weight or wrestling. Just like, there's, like I said, there's just so many components that go in as you build off of treading water or building off of just swimming or throwing a ball. And it's um, different for each person. Like I mentioned before, in terms of what that looks like, um, yeah. you know, some people can tread water very easily, um, some people struggle a little bit more, but have different, you know, strengths. So um, you can watch someone completely egg beater a different way than than another person. Or um, I'm pretty sure our goalie egg beater is backwards. So it's just, it's always interesting to kind of see the differences. What are your memories of being chosen to join Team USA? Ooh, I so my my story is very unique in that I was invited at a really really young age to train with the national team. So. Like I mentioned before, I had the opportunity to go through the pipeline. So the development program, you can start down up, down in like seventh grade. So I started in seventh grade. I actually didn't make any teams until I was a freshman in high school. And I got the opportunity to travel with the youth team to 
um, Youth Worlds, or no, sorry, the Uwanda Championships in Argentina. It was like my first time traveling abroad. It was super fun. I was like, oh my gosh, like I definitely want to be an Olympian one day. Like if this is a little bit of a taste of what it feels like, this is, you know, I want to be a part of that. And I was actually lucky that right after that tournament, I got invited to train with a senior team, which I was in like complete shock. I was like, me? Like I'm like this little scrawny 15 year old. And I literally, my skill level when I first joined was just like probably horrendous in comparison to all the other national team athletes. And so, when I got invited, I, I was there for development for sure. Um, you know, just kind of like learning the system and getting beat up by all of the senior team players. And mm. it wasn't until probably I was 16 or 17 that I, I started to make some headway. And I was like, wow, it's like super special. I got to travel with them as like roster number 15. Just kind of got to experience it. It wasn't something, like I said, that I thought I was going to be in Rio in 2016. It was more this is great for your experience and for your personal growth. And it wasn't probably until the summer of 2015 that I had a real chance at, at making the team. Uh, you know, I, my development just kind of skyrocketed from that summer on and I was invited to train for the year mm. and I was still in high school. So I was, you know, 17 turning 18 that, that entire year. I, I went online with my high school team or sorry, with my high school. So I was able to, you know, get to training on time and, and do everything while being in, in school mm-hmm. and had the opportunity to go on some pretty amazing trips. And uh, it was just obviously happened very, very fast. Like when I reflect on that experience, I, I was just like in awe of everything that we did. Um, and so it's definitely a different experience than, you know, this time around being, being a veteran in Tokyo and, you know, having my first Olympics under my belt, but um, definitely thankful for that, um, you know, kind of childlike athlete um, that I was at that time, just you know, super excited about every little thing that we did. And I kind of like loved the grind, not to say that I don't love the grind now, but it was just my mentality. I like look back and I'm like, man, I was crazy um, for, for joining at such a young age and just like being so into it and uh, had the opportunity to play with, you know, some amazing players who, you know, won gold in 2012 and, you know, obviously got to win gold with them in 2016. And, you know, I got to play with some of those people in 2020 as well. So it's definitely like crazy circle, but super thankful for that. Like first invite when I was like 15 and my parents were like, are you sure you want her? Like, <laughs> It was a little crazy, but I, I loved it. And I could tell that I brought a different energy. And I think an energy that the team probably needed at that time for, you know, a youngster who is probably a little bit too much. But Based on what you are saying about continuing your education while training, it seems to me that Team USA has a great support plan in place for young athletes. Oh, for sure. I, I People always ask me, like, what's the best route to the national team? And I always go back to that program. There's obviously other avenues that you can that you can take to get to the national team. I'm not saying that you know, ODP is the only way, but it definitely has a system where you know you're able to progress and kind of see your skills. There's one other thing that's really special about water polo is we have national team athletes that are coaches and Olympians that are coaches at that level. And uh, when I first started, you know, I had the opportunity to be coached by some Olympians, and I was just in awe. And I think it's inspiring at that level to you know see people come back to where it all started. And for me, it's at that level. And I'll go back and I'll coach. Um, I'll help out. I'll share my story and you know tell them that I was definitely in their place not that long ago, um, six years ago. So mm-hmm. um, it's definitely it's just special. It's a special place to be. And 
Uh, I know that there's club teams and there's obviously high schools that will send their kids or and their athletes there. And uh, there's always good results. Um, whether you know they end up making teams or not, I think it's just like that experience that's really important. So let's talk about the 2020 Olympics. Take us through your Olympic experience. So COVID made it very different. I will say that because we actually, our team did not go to opening ceremonies. We uh, watched it together in the, in the village. Uh, We just, I think precautionary measures for, you know, when we first arrived there, um, you know, there's just always that kind of angst of, you know, is everyone negative at first, you know, is that kind of like those first days of travel and we just made the team decision to not go, but we did watch and there were a couple players that did go. I think there was two of them, two people on our team that made that decision. It was definitely open, but for me, I had a little bit of anxiety over it and I obviously got to experience it in 2016. So it wasn't, in my opinion, like I was missing out on something that was once in a lifetime in terms of it would never happen or it hasn't happened because I got to experience that in Rio. So I know that some of the girls who were first timers were obviously they missed out on that experience, but a lot of them probably are probably going to train for Paris. So I'm hoping that they go to those opening ceremonies, knock on wood, if we qualify. So it just was obviously it's, it's exciting um, kickstarting the Olympic games and, you know, we got to do it in a different space, which I thought was a little bit more intimate and actually a little bit more inspiring because you kind of see everyone's face as they're watching it. And, uh, you know, we were with our coaching staff and the coaching staff doesn't get to go to opening ceremonies usually. So we were all together, everyone. So that was really special. And we also played not that long after. I think we played the next day. So So you were a Team USA MVP and the second highest goal scorer. Am I correct? I was, yes. How does it make you feel when I say that? Obviously, it's an honor, you know, especially when you train as an athlete, as I'm sure any athlete, whether they're in a, in a team sport or an individual sport, you know, you want to be your best. Um, you want to be the best athlete, um, you know, and in my opinion, also the best teammate and the best person. And it's, you know, to get that honor at the end was definitely obviously very humbling. And I think when I reflect back on my entire experience through not only 2016, but like the entire quad, you know, I had surgery in 2018. Um, I got hurt in 2019 as well. And then the COVID pandemic hit, everything extended a year. It just makes that end um, a lot sweeter. And it makes, you know, all the the past uh, memories really worth it. And it's not something that we play for. Obviously, you know, I don't play to, to be MVP. And I actually in my opinion, I, I struggled a little bit in the beginning of the Olympic Games and you know, come back from maybe not a great first four games and play well in the end. It just, you know, it shows the mental game as well. And I'm you know, just obviously proud. Definitely feels good, but I know I can also be better. So sometimes I'm like, ah, if I, I don't know if I deserve MVP, but also it's also a huge honor. So kind of playing devil's advocate. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break. But we'll be right back with the conclusion of this amazing interview. May I suggest you take this time to refresh the drink. Take some super nice, long, deep breaths, you know, Clouseau style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Pay attention to two friends of the show, and we will be right back. 
X Radio X. We are two ex-college radio guys who became ex-professional radio guys who are now professionally guys in other professions. Tune in as we discuss music. Okay, right there. Let's just stop right <laughs> there for a moment. That up. We don't. All right. Let's just break down those three things. I feel like we're playing one of these things is not like the other, but the answer is every single one of these things is not like the other. That's right. The state of radio today. In the year 2525. Oh, I love that you're singing. You're welcome. <laughs> and anything else that pops in our heads. See, you're you're stuck in an infinity loop if you don't take <laughs> the am. pill, because then you'll never know to take it again. <laughs> It's not like hip-hop, good, marmalade, eh, spick and span, great for cleaning. He didn't say anything. Even if we come back, things will never be the same again. Dun, 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 dun. It's the final <laughs> countdown. I don't know that I, I can't, I can't with confidence say that I want it that way because that would mean I know what that way is. X Radio X, listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own, with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Hello, this is Erica, host and guide of the YouTube vlog Mon Jardin au Coin. I invite you to join me as we explore the many joys of gardening, such as sowing seeds, raising plants, and the reward of harvesting. If gardening is something you're interested in, or you just want to follow my adventures and receive tips to help any novice break into starting their own garden, you can find Monjardin Oquan on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I look forward to having you hang out with me in my little garden on the corner. Janae Sergio, arriving. Hello everyone, this is Janae Sergio, life coach, combat veteran, and best-selling author. I invite you to purchase my new book, Perfectly Flawed, a veteran's journey from homeless to hero. In these pages, you will learn about the lowest struggles of my life to the absolute triumphs that have made me the strong woman I am today. Follow along as I talk about homelessness, my naval role in Operation Enduring Freedom, navigating insurmountable odds, and how I dealt with and overcame them. You can find Perfectly Flawed on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Welcome back to episode 74 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back into the show with the conclusion of our interview with two-time Olympic gold medalist and four-time water polo world champion, Matty Musselman. You are now one of a few Olympic athletes I've had the privilege of speaking with. And one thing you all have in common, which I am still in complete awe of, is that killer competitive edge. I will say it's probably different in the way that people portray it all the time, too. Like, 
even when I'm like not playing my sport, I find myself like getting really into things that are like family games or just things that have nothing to do with water, water polo. I'm like, dang, I'm way too competitive. And I like always try to tone it down, especially like being back in school and, you know, you're surrounded by students and there's not really competition, but there is like, I think I create these competitions in my head and I think it's special. Um, I think that's what makes, you know, sports really special. And I, I think it also separates Olympians from, you know, the other crowds of, Olymp- of athletes as well, just, you know, being in the same space and, you know, all these different countries coming together to compete against each other. It's just like a whole nother level of competition. And it's, you know, might not even be in the same sport and you can like feel that, you know, comp- that competitive, you know, energy that people have. And it's really inspiring. Okay. Your team wins the gold medal. What goes through your mind? So many things. I, you know, it's, it's always fun in my opinion to, to compare 2016 to 2020 because in 2016 my my entire family was there and so there's emotions of family and you know obviously your team and everything that you did to get there and but I think this time around for me there were so many more components of you know my family wasn't there so there's an emotion around like them not being there to watch this I'm in person uh, but also like just how far our team had come all the adversity whether that was personally or as a team, there was a lot of things that each person went through individually, but also a lot that we had to deal with as a team. And so I think just all those memories come flooding back when you're standing on the podium and, you know, obviously you want to be present and you want to be soaking in the moment of, you know, the national anthem and the energy and the smiles. But I think for me, it was a lot of reflection a lot of the time and, you know, what it took to get there and uh, just how, you know, honored it I was and I still am to, you know, to represent this country and, and do it in the way that, you know, people can look to for inspiration. I think especially what's going on in our world today, like all these athletes have the platform to inspire. And I think it was just a moment of reflection and you know, being able to say that we are inspiring other generations of athletes and people and family and friends you know, we can do that with great values. And um, I think that's what I was thinking about definitely on, on the podium, which is probably confusing because there's a lot of thoughts um, and people are like, well, you're getting your medal. Did you just like stare at your medal? I'm like, I definitely don't remember my medal that much besides the fact that like it's pretty and it's gold. Definitely a lot of, a lot of memories and, and reflections came back for me. After the closing games, it's time to go home. What's it like to return to the United States as an Olympic gold medalist? Uh, it's actually, it's kind of a funny story because I knew what was going to happen when I came home. So in 2016, my, my family decided to surprise me with all the kids from my neighborhood, like all my friends, all my family, all my street when I was like driving down the street. And it was after like a long day of travel. And obviously I was like super excited to be home, but there were like so many people. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to smell so bad. Like I don't, I just like was on a plane, like this is kind of gross, but also <laughs> just a lot of emotion and excitement. And so when we came back from Tokyo, I was like, I know for a fact, and my mom's not going to tell me, but I know there's going to be people on my street. And I was right. There were pretty much my entire neighborhood again because of COVID that no one could come to the games, obviously. So almost it like doubled in the amount of people that were there. And it was just really cool to kind of see that you know, fan base grow a bunch, um, you know, seeing family and friends and sharing my medal um, with all these little kids that watch the Olympics. And there's a lot more water polo fans as well. And so just kind of 
you know, them asking me what it was like. And, um, you know, can I wear your medal? You just see it in all these little kids eyes that they, they want to do what you just did. And there's a lot of power in that. And I was just really excited to share that right away and, you know, come off a plane and, um, and know that it was going to happen. Cause I think I was mentally prepared way more than I was in 2016. So that was great. And, you know, just coming home to my family, obviously not being able to be there and, you know, sharing, you know, a meal with them after the games and, uh, just celebrating, um, obviously a big achievement in my life and obviously in their lives as well. You know, they were just as much a part of it as I was and, you know, their support was huge throughout the whole, the whole journey. I once spoke to someone who had won an Academy award and they said the Academy gives them instructions on how to keep the statue clean. Does the Olympic committee do something in the same vein in terms of how to look after your Olympic gold medal? That's a really good question. They didn't give us anything, but I've always wondered like what I should clean it with because the, I don't know if you knew, but like the Rio medal kind of peels um, mm-hmm. or like people have peeled and have like not been able to like sustain itself. Mm-hmm. And I haven't like had enough people touch it where it has peeled yet, but definitely one of my fears is that it's not going to be like as right. perfect, but I, but I do think it's kind of cool when it, when it ages a bit with you and kind of like ages with your memory and it's I probably I do clean it it's not something that I like just let all the hand oils touch mm-hmm. but nothing that we've been given has told us how to clean it but I just try to keep it as as safe as possible so I don't like ding it around they do dent really easily so when I wear them at the same time they they clink and they kind of get dense so I always have mm-hmm. to like hold them separately so I've asked other athletes who have been on the show the following question and the answers have been varying in terms of their response Simone Biles made headlines with her stance of not competing in the last Olympic Games because of her mental health. What was your take on that? And what do you think the sporting world could be doing better to manage an athlete's mental health, especially at the highest level? I am a huge advocate for mental health. I, I, it's something I've been fascinated in through personal experience of anxiety. And uh, I, I'm just always someone that, you know, I'm obviously super into my sport and I want to be the best. And there's definitely hurdles that people go through to be the best and to, you know, be able to train at a high level. And I, I thought it was very courageous of her to step out into that light on the platform that she has to talk about it. And, you know, it's not something that's easy to do, especially, you know, coming from an athlete's perspective, it, that can be a really scary space. And especially, you know, for her and the, and the people that she can reach, um, there's a lot of power in it. And, I was definitely inspired by it and I've followed along her journey, but I've also, I'm a huge follower of um, Kevin Love. And, you know, when he came out with his players tribune Mm -hmm. article on everybody's going through something. And ever since that came out, I I've been a huge advocate for mindfulness and, and, you know, that personal reflection and growth and it's helped me tremendously. And it's something that I, I talk a lot, more about in the spaces with my team at UCLA and um, just mentoring people who've asked me questions. I always bring up the mental game and it can be scary, um, obviously, but I think something that's special about being a part of a team is that everyone's going through something, whether it's the same or it's different or, you know, coming from a different perspective and, you know, just being able to talk about it um, without judgment is, really re- refreshing and you know it's not easy being vulnerable in that space but mm-hmm. um, there can be a lot of judgment from the outside circle who people who aren't in it who aren't athletes who don't know what you're talking about and so uh, it can be scary but I think it's also just insightful with what she did and 
you know, I think there are a lot of people that are thankful for it. Um, people outside of sport that are really thankful for it. I know a lot of celebrities and, you know, people that are, you know, in the public eye that, that thanks her for it because it takes a lot of courage to do that. And um, I'm sure it wasn't easy for her by any means, but I do think it needs to be talked about more. And, you know, I uh, want to go into medicine after I'm done playing water polo. And I know that that's a piece that I'll probably carry with me into the medical field and with doctors is you know, being able to talk about mental health. And, you know, it's not like you have to be this strong, independent person all the time. It's okay to be weak and vulnerable as long as you're you know, willing to adapt and grow. And it's, I think it could be used in that field. And so I'm actually really excited um, for like the post-sport world for me to kind of share that, that piece of uh, my experience with, you know, other people outside of sport. Um, so definitely think it's important. And I think there's a lot of room to grow. Um, and just a lot of people, a lot of people can share their experience um, more. It doesn't have to be athletes that have the biggest platform. It can be, you know, a space within water flow or a space on a podcast like this, or mm-hmm. um, just anyone you talk to on the street or in you know, the grocery store that you run into. And the more normalized it is, the, the easier it's to talk about. Maddie, that's a great answer to that question. Thank you. You mentioned UCLA earlier. What's your major? Yeah, so I'm a I'm a physiological science major. So I do integrative physiology and biology, mm. which is anatomy, you know, applying it to a bunch of the systems in our body. And I actually really love it. it it's probably one of the hardest majors at UCLA in terms of the science. And uh, not a lot of people make it through, but I, I fortunately have made it. I've loved every person that I've met through that major, and um, I know that it will aid me in, in my you know endeavors outside of water flow when I go off into medicine and uh, just really interested in all of the human body. And so may not have aced every class, but I definitely <laughs> learned something that I know I'll take with me. So awesome. um, definitely exciting. So I always like to ask one fun question as we begin to wrap up this interview. When you aren't winning gold medals, what do you do for fun or to relax? I love to bake and cook. Um, I think it's something that I, I did before COVID. I've always like loved, you know, being able to cook at home and, you know, spend that time learning something, Mm -hmm. but I definitely grew during COVID, you know, being able to cook for my family and try a bunch of different recipes and, you know, living at college and living by myself during training. It was, it was something that just occupied my time that I like could get a reward out of. Obviously Mm -hmm. eating good food is um, a, a bonus. Um, so that's definitely one thing. And it, it also made me super present with, you know, uh, my body, my mind. So that was also great. I love to read. Um, I read a lot of books. And all, whenever we traveled, I always had um, something new to read and would share that with, you know, friends or, you know, would get a recommendation from other friends. So um, definitely love reading. And I also just like spend a lot of time with connecting with people that, I've either, you know, been through my journey with me or, you know, haven't seen in a while. And I'm always busy. Like, I think I don't know how to relax very well. And I always say like, oh, it's important to relax and like get out in nature. And I do, I do that a lot, but I also find myself, you know, loving to go see people and scheduling things and occupying my time because, you know, I've, I've known a lot of people that, um, you know, say don't waste it and to live in the present moment because you never know you know, life is obviously really precious and I I don't want to regret not seeing those people or not doing those things that make me feel really busy. Um, and I know that I can rest one day, but um, not ready yet. So, 
So what does the future hold for Maddie? So currently I'm obviously at UCLA and I have my last senior season with this team and the school. So I'll be graduating in June, which is really exciting um, because I redshirted with the Olympics and the postponement. I'm on year six of college, which everyone makes fun of me for, but I'll be done um, and you know, be playing water polo. I'm, I'm, my plan is to train for Paris and um, also get research hours and kind of Pretty much I'm, I'm double managing my, you know, sports world with also my future with medicine and you know, making sure that I'm doing everything to prepare myself and uh, looking into research, but also, you know, staying in shape and playing water polo. So it'll be a balance. It'll be the first time I'm doing that next year. So I won't be in school in terms of my undergrad, but I'll be doing school for, you know, preparing myself for medicine and then also, you know, working out, playing water polo and enjoying kind of like the post-college life. I know I'll probably always be in school because medical school is four years, but um, I get a little bit of a break next year. So looking forward to it. Okay. So as we wind down this interview, what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? So I have an Instagram page, Maddie Musselman, uh, just simple, my name. And I usually share um, a little bit of everything and I don't like anything that's super fake. So it's usually real. And I also have a food page, which you don't have to follow. But if you like food and recommendations, <laughs> I, I've, I've shared it, um, you know, especially when I travel around the world, I'll, I'll give recommendations for the places that I've gone. Um, I also tweet a lot. I think I'm really funny, but I'm probably not. And it's probably really boring. But if you want to follow me on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, it's Maddie Musselman as well. So um, those are my two platforms for sure. Someone asked me not long ago if I was funny. I said that that depends on who you ask. <laughs> exactly. That's what I always say. I'm like, if you ask my sister if I was funny, I'm most definitely not funny. But if you ask my friends, they probably think I'm funny. Okay, Maddie, I am my interviews with the same question, and it's my favorite. The question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of Earth? Ooh. I'll probably go back to what we just talked about in terms of, um, you know, mental health and like connecting with people is, you know, check in on your friends and your loved ones. And, you know, don't be afraid to go out there and make new friends because those connections um, not only make other people feel better, but also yourself. And um, that connection is huge, Um, not only mentally, but um, even physically people, you know, say that they feel better when, you know, they're with their friends or with their family. And, Obviously, we all love our independent space, but I would encourage people to go out there and, and connect and, you know, maybe go talk to someone that you haven't talked to in a while or, um, you know, check in on someone that you've been wanting to reach out to, but, you know, continue to say that you don't have time for. So um, that would probably be my biggest piece of advice for everyone right now. Maddie, congratulations on all your success. Thanks for taking the time to come on. I know a lot of stars had to align to make this possible, and I thank you for this. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and all my best for your future thank you for having me i appreciate it you're welcome and just like that Duval nation we come to the end of episode 74 i want to thank maddie again for being so gracious with her time what an amazing human being and i cannot wait to see what else she has in store for the world we still have so much more good stuff coming your way We still have a jam-packed August recording schedule before we take an interview hiatus in the month of September for the Duval's UK vacation, which again, folks, I've said before, 
long, long overdue. Um, have you had a chance to check out our store on TeePublic? We have everything from magnets, stickers, and mugs. Be sure to go to our website, DerekDevallShow.com. Look on the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and you'll be taken to our store on TeePublic. And, of course, we want to thank TeePublic for being such great partners. On behalf of the entire team here at the Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you listening, be safe, be well, and know that you count. If you are struggling with a mental health crisis, for God's sakes, man, just reach out and speak to someone you trust. Help is always there if you need it in one form or another. North Star, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of the Derek Duvall Show. And we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise. Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duvall Show.